This is Jan Cox, talk number 2,568, recorded August 23rd, 2000. Everything comes from somewhere else. Everything comes from someplace other than where the mind says that it does. For the temporary sake of tonight's comments, let's say that being awake is whatever being awake is but that there could be something potentially even beyond that, which would be to separate your continuing sensation of being you from your mind's sensation of you. I say that such a feat would make merely being awake look childish. A commonly heard criticism of both medicine and the psychic Sciences is that their treatments do not get to the root of the problem. But what such minds that make such criticism fail to comprehend is that nothing ever gets to the root of any problem. In the physical world, some headway can appear possible, but it ultimately becomes futile when the problem finally gets reduced to its elementary, tangible level. While in the non-physical realm, no progress of any kind is possible regarding any conceived of problem in spite of commonly accepted appearances to the contrary. In that there are no root problems to life, save death, for which there obviously is no cure, it is foolishness to even speak of specific examples wherein men seem to fail in their attempted treatments thereof. Explain to me exactly how a dermatologist has failed if he does not clear up Cinderella's acne. But let's make this really interesting. Consider how your thoughts say that you have again failed whenever your one thought of awakening comes to mind and momentarily displaces any others. <clears throat> there is superficially no doubt that you have failed to be awake if being awake is a condition wherein the only thought in your mind is the one about being awake. But, listen quick, but if you can't have the thought of awakening and at the same time have any thoughts that are not about awakening, then your thought of awakening will never think of itself as having succeeded. It's not possible. From that thought's perspective, it will always be failing. And this is great news if you can digest it. The simple and exculpatory truth is this. The mind doesn't understand what it is. Now notice, I did not say that it can't. I said that it doesn't. And that is saying quite enough. If just being alive seems to be your problem, consider this. Did you not have thoughts, you would find no problems in life. Is it not inescapably obvious by now? No thoughts? No problems? Of course it is obvious. Far too obvious with a certain twist for the mind to ever see. Just as soon as a man, just as soon as, just as soon as man began to think, he had problems. But now that he could think, he can work on the problem. <laughs> <laughs> 
You've got to be terminally stupid or out simply not trying not to finally catch on to all of this. That was my encouraging word for the night. Try on this view. In the ordinary sense, being conscious is in your mind minimally exercising its potential for listening to itself talk. While being awake is in pushing this possibility to its limits. Being asleep, ergo, is a condition wherein there is no discernible difference in the mind between the speaker and the listener. If you can't put such non-standard perspectives into practical use, then I don't believe that you're as interested in this as you once claimed. And I believe tonight is an apt time for me to correct a commonly held misconception. Contrary to a popular proverb, the counterfeit exists only because the real exists. Nay, nay. For our purposes, I say it is the other way around. That the mind takes as being real and true about itself, that what the mind takes as being real and true about itself is accepted by the mind only because of the widespread presence of beliefs about it that are false and untrue. If aspartame didn't exist, there would be no sugar. If the air was not thick with mistaken notions about becoming awake and enlightened, you would not now be attempting same. Seeing this activity all the way through and getting finally to the bottom of it, for real, requires the appearance of sham ways of achieving it. Which are the only ways. Got it? And finally, whenever you catch yourself feeling generally irritated over the mere fact of existing, ask yourself this. If you had not lived, how would you have spent your time? <laughs> well, there are three or four things in here, which is a lie because they're all the same thing. But there's three or four general areas that I attempted to cover. Uh, I put the worst one, I put the punchline first, just to make things more interesting. And that is that I propose to you that for the sake of expedient comment tonight, for the moment, then rather than attempting to analyze, to dissect what being awake is, or for those that you like it in the theoretical sense, or dissecting what it might be, then let us conclude this, which is safe from any view, from beginner or advanced, would be mystic. And that is to say that, quote, being awake is whatever being awake is. Now, that adequately covers it. Let's put a comma. And then I said, from my experience and my view, and I think you get some grasp of it, I say that there is something I said beyond that. I had to compare it some way. I don't. There's no real objective 
basis for me saying that there's something better than that. I guess that's what I'm inferring. It's beyond that. And it's this. What I'm hinting, if I didn't make it clear, was that for the time being, whenever you think about it, you could safely and with potential profit abandon in your mind the idea that you're trying to do anything we've ever talked about, any description, that you're not trying to wake up, you're not trying to achieve enlightenment right this moment. And try to do this. And I'm going to give it to you as simply as I can put it. In fact, it would do no good for me to even attempt to be more complex about it. If you can, if you'll try this, let this be the aim. As I said, forget, just strike from your mind, like, well, I'll just ignore, I'll set aside the idea that I'm trying to awaken or I'm trying to achieve enlightenment or anything else, that I'm trying to do this. I am trying to separate my sensation of being me from my mind sensation of it. I didn't want to, but all right. Well, what's to say anything? Based upon my kinds of modeling and pointing out, very correctly so, open to your observation, that I say that you are not your mind. And then I say that the only thing that says you're you is your mind. It can't be simpler, and I know of nothing there is nothing. There is nothing more slippery for the mind to conceive in the universe. I say that surely, I've played around and some of you have, it is easier to sit down and pick up uh, a paper from a physicist, from a cosmologist, but from a physicist and try to follow some new theory, some <coughs> extenuation of the string theory, or someone speculating, some real physicist, uh, doing a kind of philosophical mind experiment as to how time, actually, our, what we call time, came into existence, had to, as one of the dimensions after, immediately after the Big Bang. As soon as the elemental structure of the universe started, that time was inevitable. And then they speculate, it's some kind of a mind experiment. What I'm saying is, that sort of thing... Uh, at any given time, there only seems to be a, a small number of people on this planet whose mind is interested in such matters and who can get to the point that apparently the pictures they come up with oftentimes serve as a basis eventually for some useful hands-on experiment. But that is the nature of uh, subatomic reality. Subatomic structures was speculated before man had the technology and to be able to run the accelerators fast enough and break up atoms before they could actually prove it. But there only seems to be a few people who's interested in doing it and who has the mind wired up to do it. And I say that most of you can surely sit there and read some of it and get glimpses. You can grasp at it, but once you sit there and do it, you realize this is very slippery. You have got, you assuming that I had the intellectual capacity and the mathematical knowledge, perhaps. Necessary, perhaps I could see what he says he sees, but I would surely have to sit here for a period of hours, if not longer, with absolute mental devotion to the, his words, what I'm reading. 
the whole point of all that was I say that giving that due credit, I say that what I just described, which didn't take over one sentence, is even slipperier. It is... First off, you have to realize that as distinguished from my general descriptions of what man thinks he is and what he is and where the sensation of what he is comes from, which is strictly in his, the part of his brain that so-called thinks, that in spite of the way I've described it, you have some sensation of you apart from the mind. And I know of no way to describe it. If I was talking to ordinary people, uh, they wouldn't understand why I was hesitating. They'd go, well, hell, everybody has a sensation that they're themselves because we are ourselves. I know I'm myself. I'll tell you getting at. They are far too crude. What you normally live with, what you're normally aware of, is your mind sensation, which is simply your, your thinking going on. The thinking that goes on in your brain, that is your sensation of you. I say that there is another sensation of you. And I say that if you can separate the two, that that is something beyond merely waking up. I can say that's the ultimate. That's where waking up would go if people kept on with it. I'm giving you the benefit while I was quiet and assuming that all of you are sort of playing with it. Do you realize you can't play with it? Well, if it would encourage you, I would put it another way, not incorrectly, that this is a better description down below the atomic level, metaphorically speaking, of what all of this is about. I can say that, again, correctly, as I have often done of late, that the whole purpose, someone striving no matter when or where and under what language and what culture and et cetera, striving for enlightenment, the inner liberation, etc. all that person is involved with, whether they ever understand or not, is that they are attempting, that person is attempting to understand the nature of their mind, or put a bit more complexly, their mind is attempting to look at itself. It's, their mind is attempting to understand itself. I've surely said that a couple of thousand times over the last couple of years but if you don't see that but now on your own at least when I mention it if it is not now just a continuing reality to you then really you're, you're way behind I wish you wouldn't do that catch up because that's all we're doing no matter what I sat here and talk about no matter what kind of verbal games descriptions and models I can come up with no matter what I point to or use an example, that's all this is. That is all this is. That's all it's ever been. Just that one, just those few words. It's the mind attempting to understand itself, to comprehend itself. That's all it is. And anyone who says, and will assume believes, anyone who describes it insists that it's something more than that, and you have my word, they're further behind than you are. Because at least you're here listening to me tell you that. But people who go into 
wide ranges about you know cosmic forces or gods or fate or destiny or unknown forces working on man or subconscious forces in conflict with your consciousness all of that is just babble i understand where it came from i used to wallow in it i don't know how you i just see no way you can avoid it in the beginning because as i point out in another item tonight all attempts to awaken are based upon sham models sham disciplines sham approaches for one simple reason because that's all approaches are sham you can't avoid it and so there's no way to initially avoid uh, avoid the uh, descriptions your adoption of descriptions of this as being a quite complex far away but complex just complex and very mysterious and hard to grasp and you have to study and study and study for years and years which all that's true except it doesn't you don't have the correct attitude in the beginning you think well it's i got to study 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 stuff like study study books i got to study courses somewhere i've got to study some guy's words and in the beginning it seems like you are as again i repeat i don't know how you'd ever get started unless you did such but all you're studying without knowing it what it's coming down to you're just killing time it's like a kid that doesn't want to go into the first day of kindergarten you just outside kicking around dirt and trying to stall and saying i'll be there in a minute because the only thing that you're studying attempting to study is your own mind and you only have one thing to study it with your mind and as simple as that sounds and as obvious as it is when you see it do note for 20, 30, 40 years it was not obvious and do note it is not obvious to you 24 hours a day there is a sensation in everyone and i just do not know i don't even want to try to describe it any further i say beyond all of what's going on in your head which is certainly a part of us and it is not extraneous to you it in some way is related to what you genetically are I mean your brain your physical brain is responsible for the thinking you have so it is not as though that you have become demon possessed or that is they didn't ship in any outside demons they're all home grown so your mind the thoughts you have even though our minds when they stop and especially get in and being filled for the moment with that thought of awakening then that one thought can see the other thoughts as being hardly less than uh, interlopers damn near demons in an allegorical sense like what the hell they doing here they talk to me about things that i have no interest in they make complaints they criticize life they pick on other people they pick on me they rehash the past and i do not give a royal goddamn about it why don't it shut up as though it is not you when your mind your consciousness at that moment is being occupied by that thought of awakening i always want to say that one thought that prefer to leave that i'll pause and you can put it in if you want to that thought of awakening when it is there the other thoughts to it to you then at that moment 
are condemnable. That you hope that they don't come back. That is the thought of awakening. Rails at them, shakes its fist, shakes its fist at itself. Like, why don't I do better? Why am I not more alert? Why do I not guard the gates of the mind more vigorously so that such crap does not seep in to my royal chamber? There is a continuing awareness, a sensation that you, everybody has of yourself that is not the mind sensation. But the only thing that we can talk about, the only thing I can put words on, is the mind sensation. As a challenge, I am tempted to say, I'm about to anyway, that the only you that the mind can be aware of is its sensation. That's not exactly true, but I said it anyway. So if you'll try and follow it down, you'll understand the trick involved. If you follow it all the way to the bottom. I'll go on. I don't know really any more to say about that other than if you try it. If you're just walking along, driving home, staying in the shower, and there it is, and the thought of awakening comes to mind. You stand up straight, your ears perk up, you're aware, there I was, back in the sewer, back in the swamp, back in the slush, there I was asleep, there I was back in full captivity, but now I'm not, now this is what I should be. Beyond that, right at that moment, at that very second, which is the only time you can even attempt this, you can't do it. When you're cold asleep, when you're off dreaming. But at that moment, it's the only time you can even try this. Is try and remember that right that second. Is try and find, try and separate your mind sensation of you being you from another one that is different than that one. It is separate from that one. And I can't tell you what it is. It has no name. But it's there. And that is a kind of reality that I'm saying is beyond even what is generally referred to as having waked up, having experienced enlightenment. Nothing wrong with the former, but this is really something a bit beyond that. And it's just really nothing else to say. The next one, part... This is going backwards, sort of. Alfred to straighten out a misguided piece of proverbial wisdom. Now, I don't know whether it was that well known to all of you people, but it's... I don't even remember the source. But it has been around for quite a while. And it was... If it did not originate in the so-called metaphysical literature... It was adopted there because I know that that's where I found it originally. Now, I believe I traced Anyway, it says that the counterfeit exists only because the real does. This being based, this allegory being based upon the fact, for instance, that there would be no such thing as, a, as counterfeit money unless we had real money. And you think about it, you go, yeah. Unless we had real money that was worth something, 
so to speak, at least in barter. It was worth something in the theoretical marketplace of barter. If we did not have real, or if there weren't real gold coins, then no one would counterfeit coins and paint them with, you know, airplane paint. Metaphysics picked this up. And I have seen on more than one occasion uh, gurus and would-be self-appointed teachers that were trying to identify themselves as being the real thing in a space that they'd had some schism and somebody deserted them and started a competing system, that sort of thing, then uh, it is not uncommon for somebody trying to protect their position to play king of the mystical hill to point at this other group and say, and identify them as being counterfeit and say, but the only reason that the counterfeit exists is because of the real, that is them, that they left me. They took some of my ideas, that kind of stuff. Or I have seen it used as a just a general overall apology for mysticism itself. Apology in the literary sense. That is, of some mystical writer having pointed out that, that yes, history and contemporary life is full of sham mystical systems. Fraudulent teachers... Crackpot ideas, but don't let that. You can't take that as the final word because the only reason these counterfeit methods of awakening exist is because the true method does exist, that there is a real way to do this. And, of course, whoever says that, the inference being that they know what it is. But at any rate, that was why I brought it up, that you could believe, or you could, if you'd heard this before, we're familiar with it, that all of these sham systems, Perhaps we'll assume that some of you or all of you had tried something and decided, well, it's not going to work. And that maybe you heard or you had read that, you know, don't be discouraged because, sure, there are counterfeit paths to awakening around. But the only reason that they are counterfeit is because there are real ones or people wouldn't even bother. Whether they do it maliciously or just through stupidity and lack of understanding. But there would not be these counterfeit, sham paths to awakening were it not for the existence of real ways to awaken, or a real way. I said that for our use, from my view, the way I'm trying to talk to you, I say that they have it backwards. And knowing that that does not, shall we say, fit the parameters of logic. Because you don't know that parameters... Still, I hadn't seen a brand new dictionary. I guess they're going to finally give in. Never mind, it's getting too complicated. It wasn't worth it. It was one of my cheap shots of turning. Never mind. If I just say that it's the other way around, uh, that defies logic. So what I said was, I pulled out the example, the only reason that I said that for our use, the opposite could be seen as being true. That is not that the counterfeit exists because the real does, but the other way around. But in this way, the mind believes things about itself to be true and to be correct. 
certain things. And I'm not, I'm not saying fallaciously yet. I'm saying that everyone's mind, yours, people in general, but a man's mind believes, accepts things about itself to be true and correct because of the fact that it has heard untrue and false statements about itself. A few people on tape, I'm trying to look at the audience, curious or like, well, well. Spotty results, I might add. Well, do I have to tell you what I'm inferring or what I was hoping? I'm sure, given enough time, all of you would have at least stumbled onto it. I guess. All right. Let's take it down to us, people like us. Uh, and I don't know how. I, I, don't, I don't know what your general working model of what this is and what you're trying to do is. I can only assume. Well, I'm sure if you are actively in your own head still playing with this and not just listening to me, if it still occupies a sizable amount of your thought processes, then whether you realize it or not, there is in you right now some sort of general working model, some picture of what this is. I just know it's true. And you may not be able to find it if you tried, but it's there. So within that framework, it is basically this. When I say a working model that you might not be able, if asked, to clearly define, it is this. It's everything that you believe about trying to wake up. Let's just call it that for a second. It's everything that you believe that trying to wake up, based upon your experience, based upon your intelligence, based upon your reason, then your working model is whatever you believe to be true and workable and practical about all of this. Whether you heard it from me, whether you read it, whether you thought about it. Whatever you believe to be real, not imaginary, not misleading, not self-deceiving, but what you believe about the struggle to awaken to be real, valid, true and correct, that's your working model. You got me? That's what I mean. Now, I say to us, That working model exists in you. Remember, I said that the proverb, the counterfeit exists only because the real does, and I said it's backwards. Now listen. This doesn't make perfect sense. It's not me turning a seesaw, raising one end, and lowering the other. It's not quite that simple. So you're used to that simple shit. This gets interesting. The working model, what you believe to be true about trying to wake up, which is simply another way of saying it's what you now believe to be true and correct about your mind. What you believe to be true and correct, and I'm not questioning it, but I'm saying, no matter what it is in each of you, the reason, the only reason that you believe the things you do about your mind, the things that you just, you know are true and correct based on your own observation, your own ex experiments, your own experience. Those things you believe about your mind for one reason only. That's because false claims about what your mind is are everywhere. You breathe them. They're part of our atmosphere. 
Thus, the reality, that is, what you know to be true about your mind, only exists because of all the counterfeit ideas of what the mind is. But you, you get the tricky part. That is, the parts you believe that are true and correct. If your mind takes them only to be so, your mind takes them to be so only for the reason that you're surrounded by ideas about your mind, the mind, that are not true and correct. Does anybody see that that has, shall we say, if you're following all this, that would have an inescapable, shall we say, impact on the word, the description that the things you now believe about your mind are true and correct. I'm still not saying they're not. But if you have them only by virtue of the statements, the ideas about the human mind that are not true and that are incorrect, Think I can repeat it just slightly, change it for another 30 minutes? Does anybody hear it? When I say it's tricky, it's not really saying anything. Or it's not saying what you might expect, like, well, you've been wrong. If aspartame didn't exist, there would be no sugar. If the air, the air that we breathe, the history of man was not absolutely laden with mistaken notions about becoming awake or achieving enlightenment. Mistaken, erroneous, misguided ideas, methods. Were it not for those, we would not be trying it. You would not be so involved now. Period. But see, I didn't say that you were misguided and operating erroneously. I didn't say that. I'm saying were it not for all the counterfeit methods you wouldn't be doing it I still didn't say you were doing it the right way is this my reward at times to have such great hope for the night but see I still don't know the quiet could be the quiet sweet bliss of instant recognition I guess we're just being that previous life when I was a mystic in the Southern Baptist circuit, and I was used to a more passionate reaction to those who suddenly had their enlightenment. So I guess I just hadn't gotten accustomed to this new time around. Let me try it one more time. I'm not, well, you know what I'll say, and I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to be clever. There is something really here, and it is eye-opening in a practical sense. The whole idea of whether a person is making proper efforts to awaken, whether you, saying you now in a generic sense, whether a person has become involved with some fraud, some megalomaniac who claims he's a, an awakened master and he's trying to teach some method, it doesn't matter whether, or what I'm saying doesn't matter on the basis of whether a method is true or false. I'm saying that they're all sham. There is no such thing as a real method to awaken. There is no real way of doing this. And the only reason that you think that there is is because of all the methods you've heard about. 
which I just pointed out, are all sham. And I certainly do not mean that they are a willful sham, that it is a great deception being played upon people by a handful of tricksters. Those teaching it are being tricked more so than those that they apparently lead. Doesn't matter. You would not try to awaken had you never heard of it. Now, I've been bringing that out every week or so for the last several months, asking you to consider it. Because you were good, if we were back in my other life, and I had run across you and you had been a good Southern Baptist mystic, then what just that would have thrown you to the sawdust floor of enlightenment, and you would have had your moment. It's to just realize. At least this is the way it was to me, if you're my kind of mystic. To one day realize absolutely, just head on, this simple fact, that if I had not ever heard of waking up, that I was asleep and I wanted to wake up, I wouldn't be doing this. Did I preface it enough again? That this has been the most important part of my life. Nothing even comes as close. My whole life has been devoted to this, or it's been the, the cream and sugar in my coffee of life. And then realize, all right, that big a deal. In essence, it has been my life, and I realize if I hadn't stumbled across a book somewhere and read about this, I wouldn't be doing it. And then your hit was, well, here it is, without a doubt, it's the most important thing in my life. I, can, I just literally, it's inconceivable that I could have lived without doing this. And then realize, if I hadn't picked up that book one day, if I hadn't run across that guy that said, hey, if you ever anything about so-and-so, as far as I know, I've never heard of this. And God knows what I'd been doing. I don't know how that could fail to wake anybody up. Not to get at the right time to realize, well, here it is. It's my whole life. No doubt about it. Love it. Just, you know, like I was destined to do it. And it suddenly struck you. But if I'd never heard about it, I wouldn't be doing it. If I'd never heard about it, in other words, I wouldn't know anything about it. Now, if you were some kind of dunderheaded, dilettante mystic, I know damn well, and you do too, that somebody could say, well, you say that. I could be talking to some ordinary weekend-type mystic, and they could say to me, they could respond and say, well, yeah, you say that, but that's not true. Because if I hadn't read about it, I know damn well I was meant to do this. The, the spirit in me, I was moved by it. Fate intended, they would absolutely ignore that. And I understand it. They're not being stupid. I didn't mean to distract you by calling them dunderheads. But they would insist that, well, if I had never read, if I'd never picked up that book that I first read, read about this in, I still would be doing it. And you can't tell me otherwise because I can feel it in my bones. It was my destiny. I would have found it another way. If I hadn't picked up that book wherein I first read about man's asleep and could awaken, I would have found another one. I see now that they're everywhere. If I hadn't run across a Sufi book to start with, it wouldn't have been a matter of months. Maybe a year or so, I would have found a Zen book. I was reading it as I got my hands on. So I would have found it eventually. See, I'm not talking to them. Notice, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you people that will put up with the height of unreason. <laughs> that you will try and listen. And know, or at least strongly suspect by now, that what I'm saying is true. That I have seen it in this way, and it was useful I wouldn't be talking about. But to distract you, that 
I would not be doing this if I hadn't heard about it. At any rate, that's the kind of thing that you've personally got the experience to get what I'm insinuating you can get out of it. So onward for a minute. You did hear about it, and you did take it up. And looking back, at least you listen to what I'm saying, there would appear to be an undeniable causal connection. And forget that your mind would argue, well, I'd have found something else. I'd have found another book. The reality is, I said, you've got to experience it. It's got to hit you for itself. That here it is, something that seems to be as innate. It seems to be an indigenous part of me. And yet, there's no denying the fact, had I not read about it, you can do it yourself. Speculate, would I have some way of ever sit around on my own if I had never read about it? What if I had grown up out in the wilderness with no books? And I was still me. Would I in some way... I mean, it seems so natural and part of my thinking now. Would I, can I say truly that I would have finally, over a matter of years, just out there wandering around and spitting and kicking dirt and picking berries, that slowly I would have built up and it would have hit me that, wait a minute, without talking to anybody else, no books, that I would have come to some sort of decision that my consciousness, what my mind is doing, is not the only thing it could be doing, and it's bothered me. And I don't know why, but now I see what's bothering me is my mind must know that it could be operating in another way. But what is it? Now remember, what if you had grown up out there alone? A wild child. No one to talk to. No books. And yet you were same, you're the same genetic person you are now. Again, there's no answer. I'm just asking or suggesting if you even try it this way. As you look at it and you ponder. Or as I used to put, you neuralize. You try to look at it without really putting your hands on it and dissecting it. You just take a quick look like, if it had been that way, knowing everything I do about me and this being my whole life, am I sure? Am I sure? Would I have been able to come up with something even resembling this? Would I have ever had any idea that what was bothering me was my mind trying to understand itself? Or, more likely, would I have come up and sort of replayed the history of man from one view and come up with the idea that gods were talking to me? Her spirits were talking to me, and what they were saying was disturbing to me. Or that they were perhaps speaking to me in allegory, in code, and the spirits were trying to spur me on, trying to drive me to look. I've mentioned to you years ago, I can describe that in further detail. You can do it for yourself. But I can picture that absolutely as being the beginning of all religion. I can see the Greeks, if we want to take that Western view of history, of the Greeks being the first one in the Western view, in Western history, that seemed to have become civilized, that the workings of the mind took a primary, a foremost spot in their lives. And, of course, there they were with these ideas of gods that came in and out of human affairs. I could say, or I could even take the story of Adam. I could go back further with the Jews and their literature and say the whole idea, another flat version of my previous ones, of the Garden of Eden, was that Adam... And God speaking to him, that was man becoming conscious. That was the brain beginning to speak and to hear itself speak, which is, I say, is the minimum of what's required to be conscious, is that there's a speaker in your brain and there's someone listening to it. If that's not true, you're unconscious. Because you can be unconscious, you can be knocked out, and your brain's still talking, the brain waves are still going on, they can measure it, but there's no one there to listen. You're not conscious in the, in the ordinary sense. I could say that God speaking to Adam represents the beginning, the first conscious thought a man had. 
and rather than him seeing it as my mind, I'm conscious, he thought someone was talking to him. Would it not been natural? I mean, we're so used to it now, but what if you were the first guy? Or what if you could think back, or what if you could think back to yourself? Which you can't do. I've never seen anybody try to do it. I've brought this up before. Anybody can succeed. What if you could literally yourself in your lifetime remember the first time that you were conscious? But there you were in your little playpen, or maybe you're they're letting you out in the floor, but now you're crawling around, and suddenly you were conscious. That is your brain. You'd now, your propensity for language had become activated sufficiently that now your brain said something and now you were conscious, which I say consciousness, again, minimally. A working definition of being conscious is that there in your brain is talk, there's someone talking or something talking and someone listening. It takes both or you're not conscious. And so your first moment of consciousness, you had a thought. But if you, could, if you could actually recall a moment, think how it'd be there. You're crawling around the floor. Maybe your mother's way off in the kitchen. Nobody's in there. TV's not on. Radio's not on. You're by yourself. And you're crawling around. And suddenly you have a thought. Can't you see this? You'd look around and go, who the hell was that? <laughs> Genesis says, and God said, Adam. And Adam went, who the hell is that? Maybe not exactly, but I think it was words that effect. What the hey? What the hey? Who is this? Where was I? Even I get off too far afield sometimes, don't I? Well, at least I don't feel bad if you didn't remember. Well, I was going, I was trying to wrap up something. No. I was saying the striking part, if you can experience yourself, is to realize in your own way. The, what I'm, I'm putting in words, which does not clearly bring about the experience, to realize the possibility that you would have never dreamed up anything resembling this. That the only way it came about, the only way, is you read a book. And you might think, I wouldn't be surprised if you look at it this way, that most of you would probably conclude, I think it would be safe to say this, most of you would probably conclude, had it not been for my continuing presence and being here on some kind of weekly and more so basis, somewhere that was convenient to you, that I doubt that any of you would still be involved with this in any way. You might, lie, you might tell yourself that you'd still be reading books and working on your own, but I bet there would be nothing resembling your kind of involvement, even internally, were it not for me. And that is not a qualitative statement. It is simply that there seems to be outside input. This is a continuation of my question, my mind experiment, if you can do it. If I'd grown up a wild child, no other humans, and yet I'm the same genetic person I am now, would I have ever in any way had any notion of what it was that was bothering me, and would I have come up with any kind of tricks, methods, kinds of things I do now to myself inside my mind, would I have come up with anything even close to it? Or, as I said, would I have simply decided that I'd made up a name, that there, there's a voice that talks to me in my head? And at first it would have been fascinating, but it's still, if you'd been my kind of mystic out there in that condition, it would finally have become just as annoying as it is that mystics now say, I'm annoyed by being asleep. I'm annoyed by the automatic mechanical state of consciousness. 
But my question is, can you picture how would you have dealt with it had you not heard some other from some other source somebody say, well, you're asleep. You're just an absolute robot. You're everything just this side of being 100% mechanically driven. And that's what's bothering a few people. Most people are so mechanical that, that is, if you sleep soundly enough, to change allegories, if you sleep soundly enough, then it won't bother you being asleep. That if you are sufficiently, if you're almost totally captive of mechanical influences that drive all of life, if you're almost totally captured by them, then you never notice it. That is, if you know nothing but prison, then you never know that you're a prisoner. You don't know you're in captivity. You know nothing else. But looking back now, what would you have come up with? Anything? In case you think I've changed the subject, I'm back to where I was. I say to you that there is a sensation, that you have a sensation of you that is apart from your mind's sensation of you. And it'll wake you up right then. It'll just jar you to pieces. It'll jar that illusion. It'll destroy it substantially. By that I mean more than just a brief glimpse. If you do it several times, I think you'll get something. It will break down. It begins to strip and separate something in you that I have no name for. I can make up something, but I don't want to. I'm saying that the mind has a sensation of you, which is what everybody on this planet thinks of as themselves, is their mind's conception. And it doesn't matter that you, you can't look down and say, well, it's not just my mental conception of me. I have a physical conception, like uh, my stomach sticks out too much and I walk with a limp. That may be, but that's your mind's sensation of you. No matter what you say, an ordinary person wouldn't get that. They would just argue and give up. It may be true. You may have uh, a pot belly. You may have a limp. But that is not your sensation of you. That is your mind's sensation of you. And I'm not saying it's incorrect. But there is another sensation that we have of ourselves. Another way that I got to it, that I've already encouraged on numerous occasions is to ask yourself continually I always find it useful for an example it's like I get through and I say okay see you Friday and I lay down the paper people start getting up moving about it's for you to suddenly realize you're about to get up and then you're not getting up and then you turn to somebody and you're about to say something and you don't is a question once you do get up or once you start to get up and decide not to get up what made you do that where was the decision-making in you? Who in you? What in you made that decision? And ordinary people. And you, if you don't watch it, you think, well, it was a mental decision. That seems to... What else is the mind going to say? If you can... The question about why did I just do this? Now, I've done it for you before, but I'm telling you, I can't recommend it too highly. It is the most fun you can have at home by yourself. Except, of course, some of you men who've been between girlfriends too long. But it's to be sitting there and think, well, I get, I'm thirsty. I get, I'll get another cup of coffee. I'm enjoying this book. And it's, you know, I have a good coffee I just made. I'll get, and get another cup. 
You just picked it up and you realize that was the last step. I get some. And you think, well, I'll finish this page. I'm right here in the middle of this page. So you set the cup back down. You read that page. Now it was the end of that page, but it, the middle of a sentence. And so you reach for the cup again. You realize it's empty. It's going to get a, maybe even your muscles tense. You bend over a little. You go, wait a minute. I'll, let me see how far this. You turn the page. You finally get up and you get some coffee. Surely you know what I'm trying to get you to do. How did that happen? What happened? You can't answer the question. If you answer it, then you don't know what the hell I'm talking about. What happened? How did you finally get up? What made you finally get up? And don't say, well, I finally was wanted the coffee so bad I got up. Shut up. <laughs> what happened? Who, who am I? Who is running my life? That's the way to awaken. That's the way to get to the bottom of all this. And what I'm trying to describe tonight was simply another approach to the same end that I'm telling you, and it's there, because the thing that I'm saying is the sensation of you that's separate from your mind's sensation of you, it's that sensation of you that's as close as anything to an answer as to what makes you get up and get a cup of coffee finally. It wasn't your mind. It was not a mental decision. There's no such thing as a mental decision. Mathematics may get close. Since it is, in a sense, the only thing that is, it's the closest thing to a pure mental concoction. But there's no such thing as mental decision making. There's no such thing. It's not possible. But as I used to point to you, the mind's the last to know. First to speak and the last to know. Except when you say, all right, that was pretty good, but what are you going to say next? And your mind goes, ah! <laughs> gridlock. Change the subject. Get out of here. But if you keep looking, there is another sensation of you that's there all the time, and it is not the mind sensation. And I didn't say your sleeping mind sensation or your awakened mind. There is another sensation entirely which puts the whole attempt to awaken, to change your state of mind on a different footing there for the moment. If you can just get your finger in there, it'll start to come apart. That there's your mind sensation of you, and then there's this other thing, which I don't know what to call it. And I'm not going to make up a name for it tonight. But it's there. You live by it. Everybody lives by it. Uh, well, I was going to stop, but... Uh, well, I could... I, you know, there's this other, uh, well, it was too long. Yeah, but there's, well, at the time I was going to stop with this, you know, there was, uh, was page eight was, well, no, maybe next. Well, you want me to do it? I'm afraid, Waltzing Matilda, where that came from it. Australians attempting to awaken while simultaneously wondering, what am I trying to do by doing that? That concludes this talk. Be sure to visit us at jancox.com where you can search through 3,000 talks for topics of interest or just leave us a message.